Hey everyone, this is the Stay at Home Mom Yeah Right Podcast. You are about to listen to my mom. Don't forget to subscribe. And if you like it, please give it five stars. Thank you. Hey friend, welcome to the Stay at Home Mom Yeah Right Podcast. My name is Sarah Smith, your host, and I'm thrilled to be joined by Natasha Curio. She is the founder of Money and Confidence, where she serves as a financial educator and coach. She is the co-host of Black and Brown Make Green, a financial empowerment podcast that she hosts with her husband, Damien. Her mission is to educate and inspire others to manage their money and confidence. Natasha holds a BS in elementary education and master's in educational technology. She spent 10 years in education with most of her time as an elementary teacher and instructional coach. She volunteers as a financial mentor with Third Decade. She does one-on-one coaching and money workshops, empowering others to take control of their money. She's also a wife and mom of two young boys. Welcome to my podcast, Natasha. How are you today? I'm great. Thank you for having me. How are you? I'm great. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to speak with me today. I appreciate you. What has this time post-COVID restrictions been like for you and your family? Post-COVID restrictions. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) It's much better now. Let's say that. COVID was really hard because I was pregnant with my second child at that time. And so my anxiety levels were just out of this world, probably because of the pregnancy more so. But I was very anxious. We were not seeing people at all because we were just very unsure what was going on. And so now that we're a couple of years post all of that, the little one is here. Anxiety has resided. Things are much better now. (laughs) Fabulous. Yeah, I can only imagine like having to go to the hospital and give birth during that time. And then just, you know, your son like was isolated from people for what the first couple of years of his life, right? Yeah, for like the first year. And maybe that's why he's still such a Klingon right now. Maybe he just loves me a lot. (laughs) He loves his mommy. (laughs) Yes. You were a stay-at-home mom for seven years and recently transitioned to being an entrepreneur. How did you know it was the right time to go back to work? I knew it was the right time because I was feeling burnt out when it came to being a mom. I was feeling like I needed something more to occupy my brain. And I was just ready to have more balance in my life than just purely focusing on my kids. And I think what really pushed it was that COVID time that we were just talking about. Because with COVID, it was everything was family only. It was mom only. It was not being able to connect with friends in that same way. And so like after that happened, I was like, okay, I need to have more balance in my life. I need to do more than just for my kids. I need to also do for myself. So that's when I knew like it's time to make this change. I hear that. I recently went back to work full time and I had been home for forever. My oldest is 17, so I had been home probably for about 15 of those years and just went back full time. And I needed, just like you, I mean, my husband has a career where he travels a lot. So it was hard for me to be able to be away from my kids for that long because I it just made sense for us, for me to be home. But now that they're older, I'm like, I needed something more. And I'm Mm -hmm. very happy that now I have a full-time job. (laughs) Well, maintaining, you know, trying to be there for everything as well. That balance, Mm -hmm. it's hard. How are you finding balance? 
So because I am working for myself, it's a little bit easier because I get to set the hours that I'm working. And so I'm not working full time. I'm working only when my kids are in school or my little one is in daycare. So the hours for me look more like nine to two versus for most people who go back to work, it's seven to five. And so it's still difficult because, you know, I'm trying to fit in the housework in addition to trying to do work also when my kids are still away. So it's still like trying to figure out that balance with that. But it's been a pretty good transition, I would say, for the most part, because I have that flexibility because it's not like I have to make money. And I because my husband, I mean, I've been a stay at home mom for so long. My husband is the one who is the primary provider for our family. So that's not like a huge issue when it comes to like me working. So yeah, that's how it's been for me. You talk about how you started on your journey to helping others with their finances. Yeah, definitely. I grew up in a family that was very open when it comes to talking about money. And I realized that that is not the case for a lot of people. And my husband and I, when we started combining our finances and building our own financial stability, we were trying to find a financial advisor to work with us. And we couldn't get to one because a lot of the financial advisors, they wanted you to have half a million dollars in assets to invest, which we were not at that point at that time. And so we just did a lot of research on our own. In addition to having a really good foundation from my parents, and I was able to just expand on that. And once I realized how big of a need this is, my husband and I decided to start a podcast. And it's a financial empowerment podcast, which you talked about at the beginning called Black and Brown Make Green. And once we started doing the podcast, I was like, okay, I have to do this more. I need to help people even more so. And that's when I decided to do more of the one-on-one coaching and then also going to uh, small businesses to do workshops and things like that. Oh, that's fantastic. And I love the name of the podcast. That is great. (laughs) I love it. Yeah. So, And I'll tell you the meaning behind the name of the podcast. So I'm Black and my husband is Mexican. So I'm the Black, he's the Brown, and the goal is to help green. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. That's what I figured. (laughs) I was like, I love that. What are three to five things you think, like some tips that every woman should know about money? Oh, three to five tips that every woman should know about money. Number one, I think they should know what is their household income. So how much are we bringing in on a monthly basis? And how much are we spending on a monthly basis? So I think it's really good to know, be aware of that flow of the money when it comes to your household. Because a lot of times women are the ones who are controlling that flow. But also a lot of times women don't necessarily know what those numbers actually are. So really looking to understand this is how much we bring in on a monthly basis. This is how much we spend on a monthly basis. And then the next part would be probably knowing what your plan is for retirement. And if you have some type of retirement savings for yourself, especially if you are a stay-at-home mom, because I think a lot of stay-at-home moms don't think about saving for themselves because they're not working, but there's still an option for you to save for yourself in addition to your spouse saving for themselves as well. But having some idea of once we're ready to stop working completely or whatever retirement will look like for you, what is our plan? What do we have in place right now? Do we have a retirement accounts? Do we have taxable investment accounts? What does that look like for us? And then I would say another thing that women should know about money is how much they are saving on a monthly basis. We talked about knowing the income and the outgo, 
But also, I think you need to know that you have some type of savings and having an emergency fund is really important so that if something comes up, you don't have to worry about, oh, I need to immediately go get a job if I'm a stay at home mom because we don't have any income now because my husband's not working. Like, no, we have this emergency fund that's going to cover three months of our expenses. So it kind of goes back to that first one of knowing like your income and your outgo, because once you know that, then you can build that emergency fund to get at least three months of your expenses saved so that you can handle anything that comes up. Now, for a woman who doesn't work, how could she save for retirement? So you can save in a spousal IRA. So like traditionally, if you're working, you can contribute to your employer sponsored accounts like a 401k, which most people are familiar with, or a 457b or a 403b, those different things. As a non-working parent, you can't contribute in that way, but you can do an IRA. So you can do like a Roth IRA where you can contribute up to 6,500 as of right now. And that's one way to save for your retirement. But you could also open a taxable investment account for yourself as well, where you're saving in that way too. So those are two of the options of, of saving for retirement. How important. <laughs> can you talk about the importance of being in the money conversations with your spouse, like how important it is for spouses to talk before marriage and once they are married about money? That is so important because, I mean, I think a lot of relationships have that issue of money talks, not being able to talk about money. And I mean, there is the stat that 50% of Americans don't have $1,000 saved for an emergency. And if you're in a relationship where you are in that situation, there has to be some conversations around what's going to happen if an emergency comes up. But even more so than that, it's just important to have that free flow conversation when it comes to money so you guys can plan together. So like my husband and I, we sat down and we talked about what's the vision that we have for our lives? What do we want to make us happy? Because we're still individuals. So we both have things that we want to get out of life. And then we need money most of the time in order to get those things. And so it's important to have that conversation so you can be fulfilled in your life. Because especially if you're a stay-at-home mom, like you want to be able to get some things that you love as well. And having those money conversations can help you to know, okay, this is what's within our range. This is what we can do. And then I know that when I was about six years old, my mom was diagnosed with cancer. And she was given six months to live. And so that's a huge burden that my parents had of the medical cost. And fortunately, my mom survived and was able to live. You know, she was a miracle and lived for 20 years past that date and was able to see all of us graduate from high school and all of that. But these are the type of situations that can come up once you are married, like sicknesses can happen. And, oh, well, one parent who was the primary parent for our kids is sick now. So now how do we take care of our kids? Like, how do we pay for that? So I think just there's so much in life that happens when you are married or even when you are not married, that just being able to talk to your spouse and work with your spouse through things is going to be so much easier than when you're not even able to have that conversation. Right. Like so many people are scared to have money conversations, but I think. Prior to getting married. And then once you're married to continue that conversation, because I believe that financial issues are one of the leading causes of divorce. So yeah, like, can you talk more about that? Like how important it is, like 
those conversations. Yeah. yeah. I think even just asking your partner, how did you grow up with money? What are some things that you learned about money growing up? And initially, I think some people, if they didn't have a conversation in their family, they'll think, oh, I didn't learn anything about money. We never talked about it. But it's like, think about the things you saw your parents do with money because we all learned something with money. It may have been that we saw a parent going and spending a lot of money at different places, buying purses or shoes or clothing. And so you learned something from your parents, but you may have to really think about what are those things that I got from them? So having that conversation with your partner can help you begin to understand each other's backgrounds and probably understand some of the things that you do now with your money and why you do that. So just asking like those type of different questions, what do you hope to get out of life? If you had the choice to spend on travel versus spending on staying home, which one would you choose? Just like even those simple conversations like that, just to start to understand each other around, oh, we're on the same page about money or, oh, we are not on the same page about money. So how can we we keep having this conversation to start to get more on the same page? Right. And then that all leads into once you have kids, then it's like you have to teach them about the money. So can you share some tips for how to talk to your kids about money and the importance of including them in financial conversations? It's imperative because you're raising your kids to be adults. And part of the thing as an adult is that you're able to manage money. And the other day, my son came to us just this week and he said, I want to buy this game on the Nintendo. And the game was $75. And I said, well, do you have $75? And he started a snow cone business earlier this year. And so, <laughs> That's so cute. <laughs> so he has some money saved. So he got his money out and he counted it and it was $70. And so he realized he still needed six more dollars. So he said, he went to his dad and he said, can I get some credit from you? Oh, I love it. I was like, yes. I was like, what do you know about credit? (laughs) Yes. And it's funny because just through conversation, like he picks up on these things. He's like, well, you all told me when you use a credit card, you're borrowing from someone else's money. And it is so important because kids pick up on things from two years old and beyond. And you don't need to wait until they're 10 to start talking about these conversations. My oldest is eight, the one that I'm referring to. And he knows so much about money already, which is just phenomenal. Because we have that conversation, we talk to him, we tell him, okay, we're about to pay the bills. And this is what it means to pay our bills and all these different things. But one of the fun ways that we like to help our kids learn about money is through games. Monopoly is one of our favorite games to play or Monopoly Junior when they're very young, because Monopoly, you learn about real estate. You learn about having a mortgage. You learn about leasing homes out if you get the little green or red hotel pieces or whatnot. So there's so much that you can teach them as they're growing up so that once they get to adult age, then they know, okay, a credit card is something that I'm only going to use when I have enough money to pay it off each month. So these are the things that we're teaching our two boys already. And it's just through simple games and conversations is one of the easiest ways to do it. And books too. (laughs) Yes. Can you recommend some books? Oh, there is Molly Moore by Tiffany Alice. There is How to Turn $100 into a Million Dollars. That one my son has been carrying around to school right now. There are so many. I wish I could think of more. There's The Four Money Bears by... 
I cannot remember the author right now, but there's the four money bears, which teaches you like the four ways that you can use money. But there are a lot of different resources out there for kids. Picture books are great to help them to learn about the different money topics and you as well, because sometimes, you know, as a parent, you're sometimes catching up and that can be one of the best ways to learn with them. And why do so many people hate talking about money? I once asked my honorary sister-in-law that, and she said it's because they feel like they're bad with money Mm. because she was telling me, you know, you asked me, why didn't I ever used to talk about money with anyone? And I think it's because I felt like I was bad with money. And I think people have a lot of shame and guilt around money and how they spend it and how they use it and how they think they should be using it. And no one wants to talk about something that they don't feel confident about. I think pretty often we want to talk about things that we feel like we have a handle on. And so I think that's a big part of it. And if there's a way to take away that shame and that guilt, then I think people will start to talk about money because I did like a money and mingle party with a book club that I'm in here in Austin. And now like the ladies will text about money questions. And one of them said, you know, I'm really glad that you made it comfortable for us to talk about money. And it's not that I did anything special. It's just that I brought it up and allowed us to talk about it in a safe space without any judgment. And I think if people were able to to have those conversations without having any judgment, then they would feel better about wanting to talk about money. Can you talk about what it means when one has a money mindset? So everyone has a money mindset. Your money mindset is the beliefs that you have about money. So what are the driving forces that lead you to make a decision when it comes to your money? When I was growing up, my mom and several of my aunts loved shopping. We would get up at 6 a.m. And back then it was called Foley's. Now it's called Macy's. And we would go to Foley's when they had their extra 20% off sale. And not only would we go to one Foley's, we would go to the Mall of the Mainland. Then we go to Almeda Genoa. Then we get the first colony. Oh, wow. These are malls in the Houston area for those who are unfamiliar. <laughs> and so when I grew up, part of my mindset was, oh, I should go shopping. You know, shopping is a thing that you do for fun. And w- my mom loved purses. She loved buying coach purses. And so then I fell into that same routine. And then after I was an adult for a couple of years, I thought back, I started thinking and I was like, I don't even like purses. When I was little, I used to tell my mom to give me the backpack kind because I didn't like them that much. And here I am buying them. And so like part of my mindset was that. And so your money mindset is the things that you're believing that are leading you to make decisions. And by exploring your money mindset, then you can start to realize how you're making decisions. And like me, you might have to shift that mindset if you realize, oh, this is not in alignment with who I really am and what I really want. And I think oftentimes people will have a negative money mindset and they'll think, oh, I'm bad with money. And so it's really important to shift that mindset to one that's more positive of, I'm not great at managing my money yet, but I'm working on it. I'm getting better at it. So it's really refocusing your mindset to be more of a positive one and one that where you can actually grow and get better than focusing on the past decisions that you've made that you may not be very uh, proud of. You share the importance of leaving a legacy that's just for your sons. Leaving and how a people, legacy. And how people, I'm sorry, and how people can leave a legacy. Leaving a legacy can be passing down knowledge. I think that's one way to leave a legacy. I think often 
when people think of leaving legacies, they think of leaving money, like, oh, you're leaving an inheritance. But I think a legacy is more encompassing of leaving down a story to your kids to tell and to pass on and to carry on. So part of that is leaving down knowledge and information of our family and our heritage and also of like how to live life and be a good person. And then the other part is also having the wherewithal to manage money good, so to speak. But I think the legacy is what do people remember about you when you're gone? And you want to be remembered for the ways that you helped people, I think is most important because I think more than anything, people is what's important in life. And so that's the legacy that I want to leave for my kids is that it's not about money. Life is not about collecting things. It's about how did you help someone else have a better life? How did you live together in a peaceful way with other people to help everyone collectively get better? So for me, that's what leaving a legacy for my kids is about. What do you want everyone to know about money? I want them to know that money is not scary. It's not a bad thing to talk about and that you can be empowered with your money and you may not be where you want to be today, but with a little bit of work, a little bit of learning, shifting your mindset, maybe that you can get what you want with the money that you have. I always like to end my podcast with what do you like to do for self-care? Oh, that's a good question. (laughs) (laughs) Self-care. Honestly, I'm a nature girl. So just going for a walk on a hiking trail, that is some of the best self-care for me. Nature is the best. Um, Well, thank you so much, Natasha, for taking your time out and speaking to me. I really appreciate you. Thank you, Sarah. You have just listened to the Stay at Home Mom Yeah Right podcast with my mom. I hope you enjoy listening. Don't forget to subscribe. And if you liked it, please give it five stars. Thank you.